The book, I Like Giving, The Transforming Power of a Generous Life. You get a book called I Like Giving. It's, oh. it's uh, Practical Ideas by Brad Formsma. I've got a good friend who spends his life inspiring generosity. When we started talking about doing a giving show, I thought, we got to have Brad on because he's the, he's the giving guy. It was the most winsome thing I'd ever read, and it wasn't about necessarily giving money. It was about times and thoughts and influence and, and ways that I'd never thought. You know, all I'm doing is sharing these thoughts because guess what? These thoughts and stories, when they impact our life, they affect our heart. I've rarely met anyone that's more infectious in terms of the creativity and the joy in giving to others. <laughs> I always say I've never met an angry, bitter, generous person, so <laughs> I want to be generous. This is Weekend of Generosity, and it's one of my favorite weekends of the year because we get to pause and celebrate the incredible generosity of this fellowship. And we really have so much to celebrate. Easter, sunrise, the opening of our Westside campus, Love Week, and Freedom Celebration. Well, I'm thrilled to introduce to you Brad Formsma. Brad is the award-winning author of this simple but profound book, I Like Giving. He inspires churches, communities, and businesses across the country with his message on the transforming power of a generous life. I just know you're going to be inspired by what he has to share. So please join me in welcoming Brad Formsma. Good morning. It's an honor to be here. I've heard of your good deeds. Man, what you guys have done through collecting food for all the Albuquerque kids and then this whole idea of the international work you do, I, it's amazing. I got to report to you. I travel around the country and I bump into people and they'll say, well, where are you headed next? What, you know, what churches have you been to? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be Pastor Skip and Nate. They're their reputation for loving God and what they do in your community and their love for you, it's, it's contagious. And I thought I'd report that back to you because maybe you're not out and about all the time. So you're blessed, but you already know that. So just a little report from 30,000 feet. No, no pun uh, <laughs> there intended. Would you say with me, I like giving. All right, now turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you do. <laughs> Well, we're going to have some fun to, this morning talking about the generous life. I've been studying the generous life for almost 13 years, and I've learned so much. I could talk for days, but don't worry, 30 minutes worth, and it will be fun. I want to give you a fresh perspective um, about what it means to live generously beyond money, but including money. And when I... Um, I'll just take you back out before I jump into three things that I want to share with you uh, through the course of this morning. I was like four or five years old and my grandpa uh, took me to his bakery and he would make these small loaves of bread and we'd have fresh jam and it was just, it was a party. And then uh, one time I turned 11 and uh, he now had a commercial bakery and off of his office was a uh, test kitchen and so he picks me up and he says, we're going to make 16 loaves of bread, which is what his test kitchen did. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a good Saturday morning of bread and time with Grandpa. But as they cooled off, uh, they went into his trunk. And I thought, maybe this is going to be a different kind of morning. And so the first stop was a few loaves of bread. And 
He's delivering them to a widow from church and his kind words and his affirming words to her. And he was modeling generosity of words. And then the next stop was two more loaves of bread. And this time it was him with an envelope and he was being generous with his money in addition to the bread. And I'm thinking, now this is our chance. We're going to pull the car over and have some bread for ourselves. No, this time it was two more loaves of bread at this next stop. And he had written up a letter of recommendation and he was showing me generosity of influence. And as the morning went on, I realized it's not going to be all about bread and bread today. It's going to be him showing me generosity of time and attention and the way we share our stuff. And so I actually put him in the outline for you because I want to unpack him for a moment. The first way of living generously that Grandpa modeled to me and I've seen over and over again through God's word is the idea of thoughts. So generous with thoughts. You know, God's word says, love your neighbor as yourself. And some of us don't think very highly of ourselves. I mean, I kind of feel bad for our neighbor. And then some of us don't think the best of others, including me, and especially when I travel. So, you know, you kind of like have these places in life where you have uh, license to maybe not give someone the benefit of the doubt. And generosity of thoughts. Generosity of words. Boy, that's a big one. We can tear someone down or we can build someone up. It's another way of being generous. And then generous with our money. And that matters because it softens our heart. We become more like Jesus when we let go of it, when we release it. Generosity of influence. We all have some level of influence, whether it's in our home or whether it's a a company we're running. And we can help other people get to where they need to go. I, I wouldn't be here today if a friend didn't introduce me to Pastor Nate and Skip over the years. And, you know, you, you, life happens through connections with people. And we often have those opportunities to help be generous with our influence. And then generosity of time. I know you guys have a huge event that you're aiming for 8,000 hours of um, help in in June. What a a big deal. And we can be generous in our lives with our time. And then, you know, the way we share our stuff. Man, that's a a big one. The last one, I kind of got them mixed up there, the last two. But this idea of being generous with our attention. Excuse me. I wish I wouldn't have written this one down. It's my hard challenge right now. I I was at a little gathering the other night and I was having a conversation with someone and we're talking and I kept looking over their shoulder at someone like 10 feet behind them that I was trying to get to, but I wanted to stay connected with them. And I, I know none of you have ever done this, but I'm just being real. And I thought, I'm not giving them my 100% attention. I'm distracted And then I carry around about six ounces of plastic, glass, and technology in my pocket called a phone. And this thing is the anti-generosity thing. You know, I was at dinner the other night with my wife and we're having a date. I happened to look around the room briefly and saw all these people doing the same thing I was doing, which was at their dinner on a date or something like that with their phone. I mean, this is out of control. And I'm not, I'm not being fully present with someone, but I'll bet if I asked you 
Tell me a time when you knew someone was fully present with you. What that made us feel like. We know what that's like. And so I just, to guard against it, I think we have to be aware if, am I going to be fully present? It's a gift to be fully present and to give it our attention. So those seven ways. So the first thing that I've learned is the idea of awareness. We have to get our antenna working. And grandpa would always say, get our antenna working. We can look, we can listen. My sons told me the other day, they're like, dad, you need to explain to people under 30 what an antenna is. (laughs) But most of you know. And so you just get that antenna working. You find out if there's an opportunity around you. And it brings me to our first passage today in Galatians. Um, Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know, we get to give. We don't got to give. And that is a powerful switch. If I can just bring the gift of perspective, that it's something that we get to do. As I've studied that passage more, I unpack that word opportunity and realize that privilege is another word that's used in other translations. When you think about giving in the generous life as a privilege of something you get to do, it just, it, it flips. It puts something into focus that might not have been there. Hey, you know, our family, we have made the decision to live generously. And um, so when we find something, we'll talk about it. And one day I was reading a newspaper article about a Sudanese father and son And they were firebombed out of their village. They ended up in a small town in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They had clothes on their back and a few bikes. And as I read the article to my family, I I realized that they had their bikes stolen. That was how the dad got to work. So that's awful. And then the son, that was his main toy. And he didn't have a toy anymore. They stole the bikes. And so I'm like, we got to go get them bikes. And so we jumped in our minivan and we raced off to the bike store and we loaded those bikes in the back of the van. And this is probably where I should bring you into my marriage a little bit. I'm the ready fire aim activator guy in the marriage. And, and God thought it'd be funny to have me marry an opposite. So she's the planner. So as we roll up to that first intersection, she looks over and says, where do they live? I don't know. I mean, they don't put their address in the newspaper for these stories. So uh, we spent four hours wild goose chase all over our city, but we found them. And when we did, all the dad could say is, I like bike. I like bike. I like bike as he's riding his bike down the street because of the language barrier. And we got in the car and my wife said, you know, we had our antenna working. I think God had an assignment for us. And yet... I think God has an assignment for all of us and they're around us and I miss all the time but you know what I'm better when when we find an opportunity and walk through it and I think you will be too and you know I mentioned the I like bike story to my friend Scott and he texted me one day I like cavities and I'm like what are you talking about you know clearly I'm not a dentist and I know you're not and he said, no, 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 look at, I was sitting at the dentist's office and I overheard this single mom say $926. I, I can't afford it. I've got these three young girls. Can I, can I make a, a payment? And he said, you, you know me, like I'm introverted. I, I don't even know if I like people. 
And he said, but I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to get up. So he goes up there and says, man, would you forgive me for eavesdropping? And I just want to take care of this. And he hands the cashier his credit card. When I'm with Dave Ramsey, I say debit card. He likes that better. <laughs> and tears began to flow down this mom's face. And he said, my wheels didn't hit the ground the whole way home. You see, I experienced the joy of being able to bear another person's burden. But he said, I don't think I would have done it without your crazy bike story because, you know, I kind of think only in one way am I going to get a tax deduction or these kinds of things. And yet Scott's story is he regularly gives to his church and he give, gives more and more and he was looking for ways to live generously daily, weekly, and monthly. So the whole idea of becoming aware of opportunities. Number two is action. <clears throat> And I come across this passage, I just love it in Proverbs. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I also talk about that refreshing, and I, I write down three benefits, okay, in the outline. There's, there's hundreds of benefits, but for the sake of time, I'll tell you about a friend of mine. His name's Stanley Tam, T-A-M. He's old. Now that means he's not 80 or 90 or 100. He's 104. Back in the 60s, he decided to give half of what he makes away and see what happens. But he said to me, I did it because I just read that passage about lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. And he said, I just think about it as the bank account of heaven. He said, I, I never have to worry about going to meet with my investment advisor for that. Like it's already sent ahead. And you drive down the road here, you know, you got Bank of Albuquerque. And I just think that picture of Bank Account of Heaven, he's like, I'm just sending it ahead. It's a solid investment. We got it. But the second thing is the idea of health. There are health benefits. My friend Stephen Post wrote a book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. And he talks about when you do three of these ways of being generous each week... You live 10 years longer, you take half the medicine, and that's just scratching the surface to some of the health benefits. Not guaranteed, but often the case that you just have a better, better life. And uh, then the third thing is re better relationships. And you say, well, what does that really look like? And I, I think the best way to describe it would be is, have you ever done something like this? Oh, you, you need to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. She is... She's so amazing. She's so stingy. We love her. And in fact, you want to go out to dinner with her because, the, in fact, as a couple, they're so fun. So you go out to dinner and, you know, they pick the restaurant. And it's usually a place that's not very nice because they're worried about the cost, but, you know, because they wouldn't want to share. But then when the bill comes, it gets really weird because, you know, you're, you know, know who's going to get it. No, you'd never do that. But you would say, you got to meet so-and-so or, or him. Or her, he, th that family, you know, they're, they're always serving. They, they're helpful. Oh, there's a generous person. Yeah, that's what happens. And generous people, the, the world of the generous get larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And so I think there's just this picture of these are some benefits that God puts in place for us that as we prosper, generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I was thinking about on a run the other day, the idea of refreshes. And it wasn't refreshed. It wasn't like once in December I gave. 
or, you know, when you get out of a shower after a workout, you're refreshed. Thank goodness most of us don't do that once a year. So it, I think this shows us this idea of daily, weekly, monthly, bringing it into our lives. You know, for our family, we decided that we wanted to regularly give first and give to our church and to other things. And yet one year, I, I would confess, several months went by where my wife had the checkbook. She thought, and I, so I thought she was writing checks to the church. And then it got mixed up and I ended up with the checkbook and she thought I was writing checks to the church. Do you know what happens when that happens? Nothing happens. There's no giving. And I'm supposed to be the giving guy. Yikes. So we said, Lord, we're sorry. And we figured that out. But then we're like, how can we avoid this from happening again? We travel and all this kind of stuff. So we did that automated online deal where you can put your uh, checking account number in it. And it's really helped us just because our, our hearts are there, we, you know, and like yours, you, you want to give. But it's like sometimes life happens. Busy get you. So anyway, if, that, if, if you can avoid the thing that I just confessed, you know, that might be a, a way to be helpful um, in, this, in this journey. But, you know, the other thing that's happened for us is that we've said to our kids, if we don't, if we save and we give and we don't spend everything on ourselves, that lets us have some emergency giving money for, like, the crazy bike adventure. And... We said, if you get your antenna working and you see something, come and talk to us. Like, we can't solve every problem, and we, God knows that, but we can talk about it as a family. And so my oldest son came to us one day, and he said, I've, I've got a friend, and his dad has got um, the news that he has two months to live. And... Uh, what could we do? And so we talked about, like, I'm sure they have some medical bills. Oh, you know what we're going to do? We'll get them, like, a prepaid visa card that they could use for some of their um, medical bills that maybe we wouldn't know. And uh, sure enough, that man passed away about about two months later. And uh, I think three weeks later, we got a note in the mail from his wife who said, you know, dear Brad and Laura... My husband, Tom, was pacing back and forth in the living room, asking God to provide money so that he could put new tires on my car so that I would be safe on those Michigan winter roads when he went to heaven. You see, the creator of the universe works through us to be a part of answering prayer. And it's a powerful privilege and yet I would suggest that we have to get our antenna work and we have to be listening and looking and, and in a position, make, make that pre-decision to want to be able to do for others. And what I didn't tell you is that months before, I sat in a doctor's office and was told that I had a rare form of leukemia, which is a, a blood cancer, that I'd have two years to live that I would have to take expensive chemo and uh, might work. And my whole life flashed before my eyes. Now, I would suspect you, you've had your life flash before your eyes, or you will. And, and, and in those moments, you, you, I, in those moments, I was like, what, my hopes in Jesus that's a wonderful foundation for eternal life. And yet I'm still a human and I'm, I'm a dad and a husband. So you start thinking, who's going to take care of this young family? Who's going to walk my daughter down the aisle? And 
I, I thought back to that bike or that tire story and I thought, you know, I think I would have chickened out on that one had we not made the decision to live generously, just out of fear, right? Just in, in that moment of going, I don't know what's going to happen. And, um, and yet, I think the beauty in it is that it took the focus off of me and onto another person while I then realized I get to take these seven ways with me when the storms of life come, the clouds are there. So like for me, I go to, up to UCLA, Ronald Reagan Medical Center quite regularly. And what happens is you, you go there and they take all this blood and money from you when you're there. <laughs> and the lady one day, her name's Joy. I'm like, oh, some people, and she was having a bad day already, but I mean like wrong name for the job, right? Like, all day you're poking people. My boys told me the other day, they're like, hey, did you know the guy that invented the toilet? His name was Thomas Crapper. Now, that one fit. (laughs) So, anyway, maybe not church content. Sorry, Skip. Um, You won't forget it, though. (laughs) Oh, and then... But I was able to be, I'm, I'm able to be encouraging to her. You know, she, a lot of people take out their frustrations, I'm finding, on nurses and doctors. And so I'm like, stop that. Don't do that anymore. That you like be, even if you're feeling sorry for yourself, there's a better way. And then my doctor, oh my word, this guy is, he's a piece of work. And that's being generous with my words. He, he knows everything. Just ask him. And he's, I'm in, we're meeting in the, in the room one day, and he said, um, what are you thinking about? And I said, I believe that God is going to miraculously heal me. He said, I like your shoes. I was like, we went from miracles to shoes in a half second. What the world? And uh, then he starts talking about the buckle. I wore them for you today. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then he started talking about the stitching. And now I'm like, we're across the line of weird. So I said something like, well, what are yours like, size 10? Just trying to change the, the direction. And uh, he said, you think you're so smart. They're nine and a half. And I'm like, you're so dumb. You just gave the giving guy the answer. Because, uh, look, I'm Dutch, but I like nice. So I go to Nordstrom Rack. It just fits. So I go there where I got these shoes and they had a nine and a half so I bought them and I brought them home and I wrote this guy a note and I said dear doc thank you for using your God given gifts to help a guy like me stay around a little longer and then I think Jesus is okay with this second part it's a little snarky I said, these will help you be one step more like me. <laughs> so then I, I, and I had given him my book. He's like, I read your book. You're crazy. You think that a generous world is a better world for all of us. And I'm like, I do. How many of you believe that, right? You're, you're crazy with me? Yeah, we believe this. Oh, my word. We get, to, we get to be a part of bringing the generous life to some of these things that are hard. And you know what? I am still in a battle. I had a period of time where they told me I was in remission this last December. I found out it came back. Um, 
It's hard. You know, you get side effects, you get these things, but it's not a sympathy thing. It's like, we're all in this together. I'll pray for your health. You you know what? Um, Praying's another form of generosity. Maybe next time I come back, we'll do eight ways of being generous, right? Because that's another one. But I'll tell you what, you keep on. God has a call in your life. The devil wants to take me out. You know what? It's not happening. I'm going to do this. I was a business guy for a number of years, and he told me on a run, I'm, I want you to go encourage people to live generously. Take scripture and your stories and other people's stories and bring it to business, bring it to churches. And uh, so that's what we do. So awareness to action. Now, the uh, third area is the idea of impact. And I want to read you this passage out of Matthew. Let your light shine before men and others that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the impact of faithful giving here, I know next week you guys open a new campus. You raised over $500,000. You got that cool light bulb wall out there, which just... um, kind of life experience, don't stay too close to it too long. It's like a tanning bed when you walk past that thing. Probably wasn't supposed to say that, but, you know, I guess for 500 bucks, you can buy a light bulb. It's a really cool idea, but my son's like, man, is the back of my neck red? Anyway, it was kind of funny, Um, but those are opportunities, right? Maybe that falls under your antenna, and, and there's still some slots to do there, but the impact, we... I call it the generosity ripple. We never know how far that's going to go. You know, I, I encourage people, consider being willing to ask the question when you sense the Holy Spirit nudging you that there could be a need or there's an opportunity that he would have you give. Just, just ask the question, what, what do you need? There's programs here where you could specifically zoom in and ask the leadership, what, what do you need here? Um, I started, I like giving... Because of that bike story, and our whole mission is to inspire people to live generously. And I've had people say, what do you need? And it's been helpful for us to say, we, have, we need help here. We need help there. And sometimes, you know, people will say, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I, would, I, I write it about it. I don't think that's a good opener. And particularly when there's drama or other things, um, people are flooded. They don't know how to answer that one. And so just take a risk, step into it, do what you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. It's a, it's a powerful thing. Um, and I also like to ask other kinds of questions because if I'm reading scripture and I kind of come across something a few times, I feel like God's really saying, lean into that. And I kept reading about widows and orphans and I thought, my grandparents are gone. Where would I find a widow? And then a light bulb went off. Like, when I get my hair cut, perfect. I'm going to ask that lady that cuts my hair if she knows any widows. So <clears throat> you know how it is. You're there and you're, they're soaping up your hair and you're, you're tipped upside on the chair and then you tip back up and you're a little dizzy. And I said, where do I get a widow? It came out a little funny. <clears throat> She's like, what are you talking about? So I explained what I just said to you. She's like, oh, I've got the perfect lady. Evelyn, she's like this tall, flowing silver hair. She's cutting back on her medicine. Husband's been gone 10 years. She, she could use some help. She's 88 at the time. So we started giving her money, and we thought we'd see her in heaven. Then she turned 92, and we're like, maybe we should meet this person that keeps cashing these checks. 
So we go sit with her at lunch and we're like, we love this lady. She's awesome. So um, about that time, uh, the work of I Like Giving with some of our short films, I'm going to show you a clip of one, really got known. And so a publisher came to me and said, you should write a book. So picture this phone call. It's like, uh, no, I'm not really your guy. Uh, cheated in high school English over here. They're like, oh, no, no, we can help people like you. There's, you know, we need stories of the world. This is good for the world. And they're not all about money. And uh, funny thing, um, I went straight to Evelyn because now she was 97. And I'm like, Evelyn, I want some of your story in the book. So I'm just going to read you a couple sentences just from her story. She says, tears ran down her cheeks when I got those checks, and I felt deeply grateful. At that moment, I knew what I needed to do. You see, money is like a river. It's meant to keep on moving. Can I give this to you, sir? Sure. Perfect. I like giving. <laughs> yeah. Money's like a river. It's meant to keep on moving. I found out that Evelyn was giving out of what we were giving to her to other people. And uh, like it was last summer, I was at a, back in Michigan where we used to live in a store and I come around the corner and I bumped into my English teacher. It's priceless. Brad, Brad Formsma, what, what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm an author. Oh, it was awesome. I wish I had a picture of her face. You're like, no way. Anyway, um, that's bonus material for the last service of the day. Now, uh, can I just introduce you to Evelyn? I'll draw your attention to the screen. It's a minute and a half film, and then I'll be right back. How old are you? 97. I'll be 98 in October. <laughs> I live in a retirement community. And we used to have a bus here to take people to the grocery store twice a week. And they gave that bus up, I don't know why. So a lot of people were stuck around here. Like my neighbor Joyce, who was a very shy person. She said to me, well, if they don't get another bus, they'll find another place for me to live. And she says, I just don't want to go anywhere else. I said, Joyce, I'll get you to the grocery store every week. But I lost my driver's license because somebody thought I was too old. But I didn't have a mark against me at all. I was heartbroken at that. I really was. It made me feel old. It made me feel useless. I am a good driver. I really am. I, I'm not fearful when I drive, but I'm very careful. You're a hot driver? No. Do you drag race a lot? Well, I drive 65, but I obey the rules. So I went to get it back. <laughs> Isn't she awesome? Oh, man. 
So I put the uh, website uh, URL here at the bottom so you can go watch the rest of the story. But I did that on purpose because there's something really fun when you get together with your friends and family to say, hey, I want to show you this short video. And then just ask the question, what stood out to you? Because you'll get different perspectives. If you've got younger people, older people, you, they'll show different things. But it's a way to start talking about this beautiful subject that is just fun. It's just fun. And there's so many other videos there. You can check it out. You can learn more about us. So when I also think about impact, I think about what is this like in our own family? And my 17-year-old son is with me today. Now, he's going on 27, so it makes for an interesting parenting challenge. But I asked him to share some thoughts. His name's Drew. So would you welcome Drew Formsma? Yeah, Drew. <clears throat> Hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> today I want to share with you what it's been like for me being around this conversation of generosity and how it's impacted my own life and how it's actually impacted my friends as well. I'll take you back. I was in the back of the bus headed to golf practice one day. And I'm on the back of the bus and my friends were making fun of this kid that had a disability. And I sat there and didn't say anything. And I got off the bus that day and saw it kind of disappear in the distance. And I thought to myself, man, I was as bad as my friends. I didn't stick up for him. I didn't say anything. Fast forward two months. I was in my first day of high school. And I'm sitting there in class, and all these thoughts are going through my head. Am I going to make friends? Are there any cute girls? Am I going to get good grades? And then the thought of that bus ride came into my mind. And I felt like God put it on my heart that I was supposed to look out for someone like him and be in his life. Turn the attention off of Drew and onto the people around me. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm ready. So I'm kind of looking around, and this kid about this tall, thick glasses sitting right next to me. So I walk over to him. I'm like, hey, I'm Drew. And he's like, hey, I'm Tim. And then it got awkward. I'm like, no, I hate awkward circumstances. And when I'm in one, I tell a joke. So I was like, hey, Tim, why did the golfer have two pairs of pants? He's like, dude, I have no idea. I said, because he had a hole in one. And so <laughs> weeks after weeks, I just kept being and telling better jokes. I mean, that was horrible. And a friendship started to happen. I'd see him in the hallways. Hey, Tim, have a good day. I would sit with him at lunch, help him with his homework, and just be in his life and be a friend. And then one day, I realized my decision to step into his life was affecting my friends. Because one day, Tim was walking down the hallway, and my friend was walking from the other direction. And my friend put out his hand and said, have a great day, Tim. I realized my friends saw what I was doing in his life. And they wanted to be a part of it. They just needed someone to lead them. And I think with my generation, so many people, just like me, need you to model it. And they need to see it. They need to see it first, and then they can go, I can step into this. And I believe we've all felt like Tim before. And we've all been in that spot. And we also all have someone in our lives that we can step into and give our time and give our influence. We all can do this. Yeah, hallelujah. I heard it in the front row. So after speaking, I had many grandparents and parents come up to me and ask, hey, can you show me what I need help showing my kids the generous life? And so I came up with an acronym, ME, M-E-E, -E, 
model, encourage, engage. When we model generosity to our kids, they'll follow. I followed in my parents' footsteps. My dad followed in his grandpa's footsteps. When those seeds are planted, I believe they're there forever. The next is encourage. Encourage your kids to give. But don't force it. That kid's gross. You don't want to go there. Show them where you give and why you give. And show them opportunities that they can step into. And then engage. Engage in this conversation around the dinner table. I had a kid come up to me at school the other day and he's like, Drew, I don't even know what generosity means. I'm like, I got some work to do. Because a lot of my generation thinks it's just about writing the big check. But as we learn today, it's seven ways that we can do. And we all, whatever age you are, eight or 98, whatever your circumstance is, we all have opportunities to step into and give. We had a guy after the last service buy a box of books for his whole employees because he said this is so important in the marketplace. And then another lady bought a box for her, her family and said this message is so important for our legacy. And I truly believe that when we are generous at a young age, that is planted throughout our whole life and we won't have to make a decision later in life. So I really would tell you to instill that in your kids and they'll watch you. Just do it yourself. And I believe that if we step in and accept an opportunity, that's going to really change who we are, like we learned today, and the people around us. We all can do this. In this community, in this culture, we get to be a part of doing the generous life and being part of this. We all get to play. And I just want to thank all of you. You already are doing so well, but I just want to encourage you that we all can be stretched in our giving. Whatever that looks like, we all can do it. I, I'd love to meet you out and back and say hi. Thank you. <clears throat> Good job, buddy. <clears throat> oh. Thank you, Drew. Yeah. Uh, we move from awareness to action. Impact happens. You never know how far that's going to ripple out. Over 11 million people have watched Evelyn's story. Uh, from one question. You can ask one question. I licensed it to National Geographic the other day because they wanted to show two million homeschool children a year what the generous life looked like. And the spirit of generosity and this whole idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, it's so baked through it. And so they're not faith-based, but you know what? They're, that's more rippling of the effect of a generous life. Evelyn is sadly in heaven. Man, you know, that's interesting when someone, a place that you give your treasure, where your treasure is your heart is, right? I, that was a sad week for me. And, and then her family sent me her, you know, cute little rose vase, which doesn't fit any of my decor, but I'm not getting rid of that. I love that. I mean, this represents dear Evelyn. Man, what a spunky friend. All because I asked a question. So I'd encourage you to consider thinking about these seven ways, asking the, the Spirit of God to reveal which area he would, have you, he would have you grow in. And I'd love to, I'd love to say hi afterwards. I, you know, the last, every service we've had these long lines, but you know what? You guys have the gift of encouragement. So many of you have been encouraging on the health front and saying hello and telling your story. So if it works, you know, 
I know this is the time of day we get hunger pangs, but, you know, I'd love to say hi. We're, we're in town all the rest of the day. So would you join me in a closing prayer? But before you do that, I want to share one thing. Um, this just came to mind. Um, my grandpa, who greatly modeled generous living for me, um, passed away, and I was going through some papers one day. And uh, about six months after he passed away, and I found this note. It said, uh, Dear Brad, Winston Churchill says we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I think this is well worth remembering. Love, Gramps. My grandpa wrote this to me when I was 14 years old. He had no idea that what I would spend my days doing now Generosity of words, words matter. I think that this message that it's better to give than receive is worth remembering for all of us. Would you join me in a, a closing prayer? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for life. Thank you for this church where we can be together as community and be taught your word. Thank you for what's happened through the ministry of Calvary Albuquerque. I'm expectant for what will happen through the new campus and many things around the globe that are happening because of an outpouring of generosity here. And yet I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to every one of us through the power of your spirit which areas you would have us improve, you'd have us stretch in, in a way that we become more like you. And we thank you, Lord. We love you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.